This is KDXI St. George, Radio St. George at 100.3 FM. Creator of Energy Healing by Design, Nicole Ashton, a world-renowned healer and luminary whose life after death experience has allowed her the gift of empowering people around the globe to heal and grow into their true authentic space. Nicole, with her natural connection to Source, which has remained open since her return, will help you and your family find the frequency of gratitude and patient love that will assist you in awakening your soul's design. We now welcome you to Return to Consciousness with your host, Nicole. I was in a horrific automobile accident a few years ago. And, um, and uh, it, uh, it injured uh, me very badly. Both of my legs were crushed. And uh, in that process, my left leg was amputated above the knee. My back was broken. My rib cage was damaged. My lungs were collapsed. My right arm was almost torn off. And then the seat belt cut through me and um, ruptured all my insides. The most horrific part of the accident was uh, the fact that my wife and my youngest son, uh, the whole family was in the car. Um, my wife and youngest son were killed instantly in that accident. And my oldest son, who was only seven at the time, and I survived. But at that time, I had a profound uh, near-death or out-of-body experience. And I think anyone who's had those things happen uh, realize that you never really come back the same. This is what Nicole and I have talked about many times is you do not come back uh, after peeking into those other realms the same way you left them. And it certainly changed me forever. I had profound experiences where, number one, I was able to say goodbye to my wife who had passed away and also to my little toddler son who had passed away. And uh, I, uh, I came back. My friends laugh and say, you're the only guy we know that got kicked out of heaven. And I suppose that's uh, a laughable thing. But kicked out maybe isn't necessary, uh, necessarily the truth. Everything was a choice. And that's what I learned in those realms is that everything is a choice, that we literally have free will and choice in every moment. And also that life, this life, this realm is an absolute gift even in the ups and downs and the hard things that we experience, uh, this life is a gift. And we get to choose moment to moment to moment how we experience our lives, no matter what's going on or what's happening. Um, during my near-death experience, or experiences, I should say, there were many, I not only left my body at the scene of the accident, I was in the hospital for several months. Um, and uh, felt like I had one foot in this realm and one foot in the next during those long months. Um, 18 surgeries in total putting me back together. And uh, perhaps the most profound experience I had was almost at the end of my hospital stay. When I was out of ICU, I had gone through surgical recovery. I had been taken out of my hospital room and actually put in the rehabilitation unit as an inpatient, um, but they were attempting to teach me how to use a wheelchair, teach me how to dress myself with only one working arm and, and two legs that were crushed. Um, I was 
basically healing and healthy and almost ready to come home when I had another peak or another visit into those other realms where I um, had an encounter with what I call the divine um, God, if you will. And uh, no matter how you uh, want to put words on that or name it, there are not words to describe what I felt in the aspects of pure, unconditional love and being held in the arms of what felt like to me, um, gosh, just the most magnificent being. And yet I was so cherished. Um, it was so personal and so profound. And I saw life. I saw my life and every aspect of it as a gift and um, embraced life that way. You know, I mean, I, I, I love these uh, early summer months looking at the sky, seeing the clouds and the sunshine. And every time that sun shines on me now, it's a little bit different. You know, number one, I realize we don't always get tomorrow, that every day is a gift. And that love that I experienced in those other realms, that pure, overwhelming, unconditional love, um, that, that sunshine to me sometimes just feels like a whisper of, hey, we're still connected and uh, you're here in this world to, um, to be a manifestation of the love that you experienced in the other realms. And so that may sound very familiar for those of you who know Nicole, and uh, this is the things that we talk about when we have a chance to talk. And I was honored for her to ask me to fill in today and to uh, present her show. And we had an outline. I was going to be the guest anyway. We had an outline, and we were going to talk about chakras, chakras or energy centers uh, within the body. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with that. I know those of you who are Regulars on the show have listened to Nicole at, at, at great levels, but I'm going to get a little bit elementary about that just to outline what that means. When I came back from those realms, having had the near-death experience, having had the out-of-body experience, and I came upon my body, and it was quite a mess, I remember standing over it and looking at the body and had a profound sadness for two reasons. Number one, I had always taken my body for granted. Um, gosh, I'd been a Division I athlete. I had always been healthy. I'd always been strong. I never had any serious injuries, and yet I took that all for granted. I didn't realize what a magnificent gift our body is. And as my soul, if you will, stood over my body looking at it, I realized what a magnificent um, machine our body is, even a temple, if you will. I thought, gosh, look at that. I never had to tell my lungs how to breathe or explain to my eyes how to be eyes and how to see. I never had to remind my heart to beat and tell my feet to be feet or my hands to be hands. There was intelligence and light in every single cell of my body. There was intelligence that my nose knew how to be a nose, my mouth knew how to be a mouth, my ears knew how to be an ear or ears. And, and that was profound because I thought I never realized it. I'd just get up in the morning, hop in the shower, and didn't honor the absolute magnificent machine and gift my body was. The second uh, overwhelming sadness was seeing what a wreck my body was, how broken and badly injured it had become. 
and knowing I was to get back into it. Now I bring that up talking about the intelligence and light within our bodies, how there's light in every cell. My oldest son who survived the accident when he was just a tyke, he was, uh, gosh, seven years old at the time of the accident. He was probably eight or so in the third grade studying the cell. I had returned home from the hospital. He and I were on our own and I was assisting him with homework and he was drawing cells. He was drawing the nucleus and you know, like you do in grammar school, he was learning about the structure of a cell. And he said something to me that I still find quite profound. You know, sometimes out of the mouth of babes is, uh, is pure wisdom. But as we were sitting working on the homework and he was drawing this cell, he said, Dad, what if all of us are simply cells in a larger body of God, just like God is within every one of our cells? And I thought, wow, <laughs> that's almost what it felt like as I stood over my body and realized the intelligence in every little photon and molecule and also what it felt like to be in those divine realms and realize what a gift life is, how there's divine order to everything, and that even I and even we are divine with light and truth and intelligence within our bodies. And as I got back into the body and felt the heaviness and the weight of the trauma and the injuries and also the overwhelming emotions of grief and guilt, I was driving the car, I was sober, we were obeying the speed limit and laws. To the best of my recollection, I may have dozed off briefly, which is what caused the accident. You know, just, just dozed off and swerved to the right and overcorrected to the left and lost control of the car. So those overwhelming emotions in the body, which we all experience. Now, I wasn't even aware of it at the time, and our subject today, which I'm getting to, I just want to give you the premise and the foundation from where I'm coming from, is these chakras, these energy centers. Now, I won't claim to be an absolute expert on chakras. You know, are they physical chakras or energy centers within the body? Are they spiritual chakras or energy centers within the body? I don't know. I've been told both. I certainly know they're spiritual centers. Um, I've been told there are actually physical, you know, chakras within our body. But when I say energy centers, I want to focus on the energy. Because energy is everything, and everything is energy. And so if there's energy centers within my body, whether they be spiritual or physical, I want to honor those, and I want to recognize those, and I want to talk about those. And we're going to spend the day talking about that and how we can utilize those in our life to uh, serve our health, our happiness, and also to even affect uh, people around us. You know, we're in the middle of this pandemic still. It seems like uh, it's been going on so long. And uh, we don't know what the new normal will be or if we'll ever get back to normal as far as it goes. I know that cases of... Uh, COVID-19 are rising in the state of Utah, and yet I've never been as afraid of the virus as I am the panic around the virus. And let me, let me talk about where I'm coming from there. If we have energy centers within our body, and if those energy centers are truly energy, 
and they radiate out and also bring in. Then what I'm most concerned about is keeping my energy centers healthy and strong and open and flowing. Um, I do know that the greatest defense against a virus, uh, even as uh, new and strange as COVID-19, is a strong immune system. To have a very strong immune system, because if there's light and intelligence in every one of my cells, then my body knows how to fight off a virus. It knows how to adapt. It knows how to combat and become healthy. The body wants to heal. So if I keep those energy centers and my, uh, my immune system strong, then even if I were to get sick or contact the virus, there's a very, very good chance that I would heal and be healthy and perhaps even be immune or stronger than I was before. Now, I know there's a lot of unknowns around this virus, and I've looked at and read about everything from the conspiracy theories to the natural order of the earth, cleansing and, and, and all of that going on. And I don't have any of the answers when it comes to those things, but I do have an answer when it comes to keeping my immune system strong and keeping those energy centers open and flowing and bringing light and intelligence into my body and into my soul, and therefore then letting light and intelligence radiate out from my body and my soul to uh, even affect those around me. And as strange as this may sound or not, those energy centers are uh, commonly known as seven different energy centers. You know, we've got our root chakra and uh, it comes right up through to our third eye and our crown chakra. And we can talk a little bit about those. They're aligned with colors. They're aligned with feelings and energies. And I'm going to be very brief about all of that. Um, because if the body has light and intelligence, then you can be aware of those chakras. But they know exactly what to do if you're keeping them healthy and open. But our root chakra is about survival. It's about having enough and being enough. And yet even that is a very critical, critical notion in this world. I spent many of my young years just wondering if I was enough, wondering if I could ever measure up. In fact, even into my young adulthood, the accident happened at age 33 and I still wondered if I would ever be enough. But being in the arms of that divine being who I call God, and being shown my life as a gift was the first glimpse I had that I had always been enough. I could never not be enough. I could simply be me, and by being me, I was absolutely enough because I was a divine creation. I was created in the image of the divine creator and was literally a manifestation of that. So that root, root chakra, and that often comes to survival. It's food, shelter, do I have enough? It's, it's those basic, basic needs, which moves up into the next chakra. Oh, and the root chakra is usually commonly associated with the color red. But as you move up into orange, and these are the colors of the spectrum, if you look at a crystal or um, a prism, the next chakra is the orange chakra, and we call that the, uh, the creation. It's, it's there in the lower abdomen. It's... Uh, all about your creation, your passion, your fire, those things that drive you, uh, things that, a, a sex drive, an ambitious drive, uh, creation, children, family, career, these things that drive us as far as creation goes. And 
Certainly we are all divine creators. We're simply here to create. That's the beautiful part of it. And uh, that is the chakra that drives those moving up into the solar plexus associated with the yellow chakra. This is about our connections. This is about our family, our relationships, and being at peace and whole within our relationships. Now, just briefly with that, you know, we, uh, we go into relationships and often we're looking for what's in it for me. Or I used to think a relationship was 50-50. What I've learned is it's 100-100. If I can go into a relationship whole and healed and functioning in wholeness, then I can offer a true man, a real man. And I have fallen in love again and remarried since the accident and have a beautiful relationship with my wife, Tanya. And she's been very instrumental in teaching me that as I show up as wholeness, then that is when I'm the most attractive, not relying on her to complete me or finish me or make it okay, but to bring two 100%s together uh, rather than a 50-50 deal. As you move up from uh, the yellow chakra and the solar plexus, which are family and relationships, you move up into the heart chakra, which is typically purple or even green in color, or pink, I should say. And the heart chakra is all about love, all about unconditional love, realizing that I am love, that I can give and receive love freely. As you move from the heart chakra to the throat chakra, which becomes blue, the throat chakra is about expression, speaking your truth, being free to say how you feel, being free to share those things that uh, are in your heart of hearts that may not be openly accepted or may not be uh, openly believed, but the ability to share your opinion, to share your expression, human expression. And uh, that's very important in the throat chakra. Moving up to the third eye, which is the, uh, the chakra for vision. And violet or purple is the color of that. And uh, it's to see. To see as things really are. To see with wisdom. To see as the heart sees. And to have vision. Uh, many work on the pineal gland, which they say is literally in there physically. When I talk about these energy chakras being literal physical parts of your body, but also energetically and spiritually, uh, the ability to have vision, to see and to know. It's where your knowing comes from. And then finally moving up to the crown chakra, which is white in color. And this is our connection, our connection to the divine. That is where we come from, it's where we're going, and it's pure knowledge, it's knowing, and the connection uh, that we have with the divine as the divine. And that's a very brief overview, and we're going to get into this in the next section about what you can do to activate those chakras and use those. But knowing that, as we begin to wrap up this section, I invite you to get in touch with those chakras. Even use your hands and put them on your on your body, on your solar plexus or your lower abdomen. And maybe even close your eyes and feel the energy of that and the remembrances and what your body and the energy in your cells might hold and how we can heal and open up those chakras coming up into the heart chakra and knowing that you are love, that you literally come from love and are a manifestation of love and therefore can radiate that love out and then to speak your truth, speak those things, 
you know, it's so interesting as I look at social media and everybody, you know, gets so angry when someone shares an opinion or shares something differing from the way they feel. You know, if I learned one thing, it's that we can all be unique. We can have differing opinions. We can have different beliefs. We can have different cultures, different races, different preferences, and still honor each other where we stand rather than fighting or thinking if they're not like me, they must be wrong. They must be like me to be right. Or if they're wrong, I must conquer, overcome, or prove my point. That's the separateness that is so far from wholeness and oneness. And uh, I see many posts that I say, well, I disagree with that, but I can honor where they're coming from. I don't know their experience. I don't know their backgrounds. And yet if we honor each other, that's where we find healing. I was contemplating this recently. In fact, I had, you know, shared my truth. I had talked at home about how I felt about the virus or the racial disrest and the things that are going on in the world right now. And I decided to go and be at peace and to just contemplate and meditate on it. And I had a very clear thought come to my mind. Perhaps it came through that third eye, that uh, visionary chakra. But when that voice that speaks to my heart comes in, I can tell you exactly what it was. I could quote it. And I was told this, I was told to transform every thought of us and them into we, and that's where the answers will be found. To literally let go of this separateness, this us and them, this whether, whether that has to do with, with gender or race or political parties, let go, transform every thought of us and them into we. And there is where the answers will be found. We truly are one, folks. And uh, we have far more in common than we do separate. We have far more in common as, as the human family, as we ever will separate as individuals. And as we tap into that, we will find peace. We will find wholeness and we'll find that unity. And as you do it internally in your own body, aligning those chakras and letting that energy flow, We'll, uh, we'll come to the end result, which will be love. I, uh, I invite you to be open to the possibility that uh, it's not falling apart. It may very well be falling into place. It just might not look like we thought it might look. But with that, concentrate on those chakras, you know, the throat, the heart, from the bottom right to the top, that crown chakra. And uh, we'll be back to talk about some different practices some of the ancient and indigenous practices that took place, which actually align with modern science, with energy centers, with chakras, and with how that all works within our body, within our soul, and how it can work to literally change not only us, but humanity around us. And uh, it's interesting. When we change, everything changes. When I made changes within myself, nothing had really changed in the world. It was the same. But I had changed, and that literally changed absolutely everything. Suddenly there was miracles in everything I saw, from a sunset to a flower to a friend to, uh, gosh, being able to walk and take a step. So we'll be back in a few minutes. Thank you for joining, and uh, let's send Nicole all of our love up on that mountain so she knows we're thinking about her and uh, 
trust me, I know she'll feel it. She's just that uh, intuitive and uh, send it out now. Thank you. You're listening to Radio St. George 100.3 FM. We now welcome you back to Return to Consciousness with your host, Nicole. Your host, Jeffrey, today. Nicole has asked me to fill in, and I'm honored to uh, to sit in her place and uh, talk about chakras and energy centers within the body. You know, after I had my near-death experience, I, I had a new vigor for learning, a new openness to anything, to all the possibilities. And I looked into many things. I took a deeper look at religion and beliefs. I took a deeper look into energy work. I studied Reiki and matrix energetics and uh, cranial sacral therapy and reconnective healing and many things that all seemed to come from the same premise, and that was energy, energy work, energy manipulation, and uh, the fact that everything is energy. And one of the most powerful things that came to me was actually uh, indigenous, ancient practices of uh, medicine people or shamans and uh, medicine men. And I'd always been infatuated with uh, Native American culture. Uh, from the time I was a boy on the farm and working with horses, we had a gentleman come on the farm that had a Native American background, and he taught us a lot about the very things I've been talking about, from, but from a very ancient and earthy and uh, what, um, not scientific, but a spiritual knowledge, a deeper connection to what was going on in the earth and even in those animals, those horses. I remember my father uh, brought him on. He showed up on the farm and he said, look, I'll work for food. I just need a job. And my father said, what are you good at? And he said, I work with horses. And my father said, well, we've got three young, uh, we've got three young, colt, young colts right there in that corral. And they're ready to be broken. And uh, Ben, that was the fellow's name. He said, oh, no, no, I will never break a horse. I will simply work with the horse and connect with the horse and uh, finish it or train it. So, you know, that was a uh, young in my life. But as I had this near death experience and this new awakening and opening to spiritual things like chakras and energy centers and what this world is all about and how we operate in it, um, this indigenous, these ancient practices became something I was, I was very interested in and wanted to study more. How would they heal? You know, what did they do before modest, modern medicine to, uh, to be well, to eat right, and to heal wounds and to do those things? How did they know where the buffalo were or where the fish would be or the game might be? And was it a matter of manifestation? You know, would they do their energy and spiritual work and therefore know where the buffalo would be or would the buffalo be there because they had done the spiritual or energetic work beforehand. And these things were all very interesting to me as I had tapped into my near-death experience and being told that I was the creator of my life, that everything I experienced was my manifestation, and that the universe 
loved me enough unconditionally to allow all of that. And that it was my choice as to how I would experience it. And so as I looked further into that, I met a beautiful woman, a shaman, who uh, taught me of the Munaki, which anciently actually means love. And uh, they say this came across the Bering Strait um, ages ago. The ancients brought this uh, across, the earth keepers, those that came and uh, populated these regions that we now call the Americas. But they may have even come from Eastern philosophies or from the Bering Strait with these, these keys to health, these keys to chakras. And yet they used things that uh, were more common. And that's what I love about it. It's like taking something very scientific and sophisticated and giving it a common meaning. They aligned those chakras with animal archetypes. And this is still very common in the mountains of Peru, uh, Central South America, where the shamans up in the mountains there have maintained their culture and their practices. And uh, so a lot of these archetypes are common to the animals they see there and live with in the mountains. That root chakra being uh, aligned with the jaguar or the serpent, forgive me. The root chakra is the serpent, the snake. Now it's funny in our uh, modern culture, in fact, I grew up in a culture where, gosh, a snake was scary, a snake was bad, a snake may represent evil. No, not the case, not in these indigenous cultures. The serpent actually is a sacred symbol. Um, it far more alludes to when, uh, gosh, Moses in the Old Testament of the Bible was in the desert and uh, the uh, children of Israel were being bitten by serpents. He was told to craft a serpent and raise it up on a staff. And if you would look at the serpent, you would live. This was a sign of healing. The medical industry still uses it. And if you look to that, that was higher consciousness. That was Christ consciousness. That was something interesting. And yet I even find deeper symbolisms in that in this day and age. Those, those snakes that bite us, those things that come up in our life. If we'll put them up on a staff, if we'll raise them up in the open to look at, to discuss, to contemplate, that's when they'll be healed, that, 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 that process. And this is what the serpent means in these indigenous cultures. It's a sacred symbol of looking at things and healing things and also shedding the things that no longer serve you, letting go and shedding the, uh, the skin, if you will, just like a snake does, literally recreating itself or being reborn, if you will. And so that's the root chakra is the serpent energy, the great serpent. And then you get up into the creation chakras, and that's, that's where the jaguar comes in. Forgive me for mixing those up earlier, but that's, that's mother-sister jaguar, the queen of the jungle, the one that knows, the one that has passion and fire and uh, drives us in our lives coming up into the solar plexus, which they align with the energy of a hummingbird. A hummingbird, it's faith, it's knowing you can make it. These impossible journeys a hummingbird makes where in reality it's not even designed to fly long distances and yet look how swift and mobile it is. And that's a connection to our ancestors as well. They honor the hummingbird as a connection to ancestors and then you get up into the heart chakra but they align that with the eagle, 
with eagle or condor energy, this openness, this this learning to to fly, to come from the heart, to come from love. You know, it's 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 interesting to me. There's only two great forces in the universe as far as I see it now, and that is love or fear. It doesn't come down to uh, nationalities or political parties or genders or anything else. The two motivating forces are love and fear and the eagle, the heart chakra. That is learning to come from love. I, I ask myself in my life all the time now, am I operating out of fear or am I operating out of love? To any question that comes up when, you know, when somebody cuts me off on the interstate and I'm angry, I have a choice. I can operate from fear and anger comes from fear or I can operate from love. And I often ask myself, what would love do in any given situation? I mean, look at the world right now and ask yourself those questions. I invite you to do that. Gosh, COVID-19, what would love do? in this situation you know the disrest with uh gosh we've got law enforcement racial disrest black lives matter all these things that are happening to us and they're all very important these are key things for us to put up on that staff and look at you know let's take a look at this where is the illness and how do we heal it what can we do to shift but asking all the time what would love do what would love do? Because fear drives us in the opposite direction. Fear is that other great motivator. But if we can step from fear to love, and that's what the heart chakra does, that's when we can begin to speak our truth and uh, share those things. And then when you get up into the heart chakra and move into that throat chakra, that's when it shifts in the Munaki from animal archetypes into more personas. Um, you know, the throat chakra would be Haskar. And that is uh, an ancient um, story in many ways of two brothers. And you've probably heard a lot of these things in many, many cultures. And that's what I found. The same stories reside in almost every culture, every belief system. And the stories may differ slightly, but the meanings are the same. But Haskar represents the guide, the one that can guide you in your life, the one that can show you, the one that can lead you through the darkness or through the lower worlds into greater light, greater knowledge, greater understanding. And as you move up from Haskar, you get into that third eye, and that is Kitsukwadal energy, the winged serpent, the one who has overcome all, who has shed all, who sees with clear vision, who sees as the heart sees. And uh, these animal archetypes are so helpful. And then you get into the personas, you know, Haskar, Quetzalcoatl, And then you get into the crown chakra. Pachacute is the word, but uh, it means so many things. It's about our own enlightenment. It's about us realizing our own divinity. It's also a very affectionate connection to both the male and the female divine the divine masculine, the divine feminine, and how that aligns and how we are the divine manifestation of that. And so these beautiful animal archetypes and personas in the ancient indigenous cultures are very interesting. Uh, how long, long, long ago, without science or medicine, these indigenous inspired people knew about these things. And 
affiliated them with the things they saw every day in life so that they could have archetypes and reminders. And I think we could do the same. You know, we tend to get so, I don't know, complicated about things. In reality, it might be quite simple to look at the things that uh, disturb us or bite us or are causing us issues in our society or in our personal life, getting them out like serpent energy, taking a look and not being afraid to go in the dark places like a snake and look at those things that uh, that need to be healed and and then asking what can I do to be my contribution, to be the change in healing a troubled world or a troubled life or a troubled soul. And for me, that troubled soul has often been myself. What are those things about me that I hide or that I don't put up on a pole and let everyone look at and talk about so that I might heal them? Um, and these ancient, ancient practices uh, are very, very simple and yet very powerful, right on up all the, all the chakras and the way that aligns. I, uh, I do a series once a year with two great friends of mine. And in fact, uh, Nicole and I have been talking about doing this in southern Utah. I teach the Spirit Keeper series up in uh, northern Utah. This fall it will be in Alpine, Utah, and you can get details on that. My dear friends, Elise and Angie, teach that with me. But uh, the Spirit Keeper series is all about these indigenous spiritual practices and how we can, can learn from them and maybe utilize them in a modern world that might bring far more power, far more consciousness, and far more health and well-being in this society. We can learn so much from the past, and I think people tend to dwell in history and dwell in the past and yet the most important thing is, what can I do right now? You know, how do we move forward? How do we move forward in ways that are healing and that serve humanity in higher ways and in better ways? I was uh, contemplating what one person could do in the world the way we live now. And could one person ever make a difference? And yet I've thought about those who have, you know, if you think back through history and records even anciently of how much can one person do to shift the consciousness of humanity to be their contribution in making things better and healing things uh, you can call it chakras if you'd like you can call it energy centers I, I i think in some ways it's their prime wave there's these folks that show up and they're so powerful that it resonates their vibration seems to draw people to them and uh, so often those folks were teaching love. You know, we've made religions out of people like that. But so often they were not teaching religion. They were teaching love and they were practicing love. And it resonated at such a high vibration that people were drawn to them. Use that in your own life. Use those energy centers. If you want to know more about the Spirit Keeper series, simply go to that website spiritkeeperseries.com and uh, we've got that outlined in October and November here in the northern part of Utah, Alpine, Utah and I'm sure Nicole will keep you posted should we decide to do anything like that down in southern Utah in the St. George area we did an activity last summer in Zion uh, National Park which was very powerful and we're looking at doing that again. So stay close to Nicole and she can keep you posted. 
if you're interested in coming up north in the fall when the leaves are on and it's beautiful and cold, then uh, take a look at spiritkeeperseries.com and how these chakras were used by the ancients to uh, to heal themselves and to heal those around them and to keep their energy centers open and flowing. There's uh, another thing I wanted to touch on, which goes beyond chakras, and uh, that's just simply how we can show up in the world. And, uh, you know, you can do the chakra work on your own with meditations and with uh, energy, working with people like Nicole and energy masters, I call them. And uh, that will keep things flowing. But when I really do something simple to open up my chakras and to open myself up to what I call inspiration, um, there's a great book I read recently, which I'll recommend. It, it's called Awakening to the Spirit World. In fact, the subtitle is The Shaman's Path to Direct Revelation. This is, outlines how the ancients used these techniques, used chakras, used energy centers, used their meditations to get their answers. And if I can encourage you to do anything, it's to get your own answers. Certainly, we must educate ourselves. And that's a big big thing. Educate yourself. Look into it. Look into all the different sides. Don't dismiss something just because it is not uh, your way of thinking or contrary to your belief. Be open to the information. Educate yourself. And then seek your own answer. You know, I've been introduced to many, uh, many cultures, and many of them have temples, you know, and uh, there are similarities and vast differences. But even the indigenous people have sacred ceremonies, temples, if you will. And yet I've never been in any temple where I was told to go look outside a window to get my answers. Any temple I've been in, it's literally to go within, to go into the holy of holies in your own heart and to ascend to a higher way of thinking. And that's where the answers come. And so utilize your chakras, these energy centers, getting in touch with those. Utilize these practices of the indigenous people to get your own answers because your answers and your truth are the most important truth for you. And it might be completely different than my answers, but that's the beauty of it. The beauty of it is that we are unique. We are diverse. We are different. That's where I find the perfection you know, life would be so boring if we were all alike, if everybody looked alike and acted alike and believed alike. What a boring world this would be. The diversity is the beauty. The, the chaos is many times where the perfection is found. And if we're open to love and let go of fear, we will find some profound answers of how we get along, how we operate, and how humanity can rise to a much higher consciousness. Now, lastly, when I talk about this simple practice, simply go to a quiet place, a place where you can sit and be still. And there's such power in being still. And ask the question, you can ask it out loud or you can ask it just within your own heart. But simply ask the question, what can I do for someone else today? 
it's an amazing shift when it shifts from what can I do for someone else, what happens. You know, I grew up uh, saying prayers, and I would often pray, but I was always asking for me to be blessed or to bless, you know, <laughs> the food or to, to bless, you know, things that were not so closely attached. I was never asking what can I do to be the hands of God, to be the light of love, to make a difference in someone else's life. And as you do that, you'll find you literally get answers. You'll have a little thought. You might have someone's face kind of appear in your mind's eye and your consciousness. It might be as simple as, you know what, I think I'm going to text my mom today. Or I'm going to call that buddy I've been thinking about. Or, you know, when I see that stranger on the street, I might just give them an extra smile or even a hug. Whatever it is, when we open up our consciousness to be outward facing, what can I do for someone else today? Watch how the ideas begin to flow very simply, very automatically, um, without having to think about it. You'll have little ideas. And I always say to myself, well, gosh, maybe that was just my own imagination. Maybe I just thought that. Maybe that isn't divine you know, inspiration coming down. Maybe that's just me. Well, let me remind you this as well. When I had those peaks into the other realm and I was told that I was divine and that we all are, gosh, if I was, I promise you we're all divine. If I have that thought or my consciousness comes up with it, then it is divine. It is divine inspiration. It's the same thing. And then here's the key. When you have that little idea, as simple as it might be or as magnificent as it might be, go and act upon it. Go and do it. And watch what happens when you seek your own answers. You get a little inspiration, a little feeling. I call it the little whisper. I think I'll go do that for this person. Watch what happens when you act upon it, when you literally take action and go do something about that little inspiration you get. And uh, you might find that you're not only an answer to someone else's prayers, it might be the answer to your own. You might literally find out that, um, wow, that was the most powerful thing I could have done today. And it might have been as simple as I'll take uh, this flower to, uh, you know, that person who might be alone or struggling. And um, in the meantime, see what happens when you do that. See how your chakras react. See how the energy within your body reacts. See how you feel when you make that conscious choice. And in the meantime, be safe. Be well. Yes, wash your hands, do all those things, but hold your vibration, hold your chakra energies at a high, healthy vibration. They have intelligence. Your body has intelligence. Your soul is pure intelligence. And as you do that, um, you will certainly find not only your own answers, but you'll carry at a vibration that uh, viruses or nothing else will mess with. They will know this person is whole, and uh, we'll move on to the next thing because this is a person that stands in their power, stands in their truth, who knows who they are and is coming from pure love, not from fear. And folks, love is the most powerful force in the universe. Love will win and love truly does conquer all. I send my love to you all. I send my love from Nicole and I'm honored that she would allow me to uh, be here and to fill in for her. I'm sure she'll be back next week. I certainly hope so. 
I, uh, I'm not used to rambling on and on, but uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining. And certainly have a beautiful week and a beautiful weekend. And remember, what would love do? And how does energy flow through my body as I am a manifestation of that love? I hope to see you all very soon. Take care, be well, and take care of each other. That's the most important thing we can do in this world to, uh, to make it a better place. Love one another. Thank you. You've been listening to Return to Consciousness with your host, Nicole Ashton, creator of Energy Healing by Design, a world-renowned healer and luminary whose life after death experience has allowed her the gift of empowering people around the globe to heal and grow in their true authentic space. For audio and or video of this, go to Facebook or YouTube, Podbean or Spotify, and search Radio St. George or RadioStGeorge.com. We invite you back next Wednesday at 4 o'clock for Return to Consciousness with Nicole Ashton on Radio St. George 100.3 FM.